Welcome to Moments with Marilyn. I'm your host, Marilyn Boyer, the mom of 14 homeschool kids who love the Lord and love each other. It is my privilege to be able to share with young moms tips and tools to make your journey easier. Today, I know school has just started back up and sometimes it just feels so overwhelming. So I thought that I wanted to share with you some misconceptions that you might have that are making your homeschooling journey more difficult. So if we can like relieve these misconceptions, it might ease things up so that things go easier for you. And this is stuff that I kind of stumbled upon in my journey of homeschooling for 37 years. But I started to question the way things were done and the way people were doing things. And these are some conclusions I came to. First of all, you know, we all assume that classics are the standards and our kids have to study the classics. And let me just say some classics are wonderful and I absolutely love them. Things like Pilgrim's Progress, Ben-Hur. You know, our kids need to read these things. They were written a long time ago and as you know, I love old books um, and the classics are old. However, some are pretty horrible. I grew up as a Unitarian and in seventh grade, we had this class in our Unitarian Sunday School about what Unitarians believe. And virtually, you can believe anything you want, as long as it's not the Trinity or the Virgin Birth, anything but the truth, you can believe and be a Unitarian. A lot of scientists were Unitarians um, up in the Northeast where I grew up. But many of the classical writers were transcendentalist, and I would start to see that in their writings. And a lot of these classics I never had my kids read. I would go through their literature books back when we used the Abeka literature books and I would check, you know, read this one or I'd X this one out. Don't read this one. Um, I, I, there was something in my spirit. I just knew these are not good for my kids to read. You know, this is the way that I was raised as a Unitarian and this is not true. So as time went by, I felt more strongly about it. But several years ago, I read Kevin Swanson's book, Apostate, and he articulated for me what I passionately felt in my spirit. And he provided additional facts of things that I was unaware of. So I'm going to do a couple quotes from Kevin's book. But if you are concerned about this or if this is something you never thought about, you might want to get a hold of Kevin's book, Apostate, because it was so thoroughly researched and well done. I also found that if you teach your kids truth, they will more easily detect error. So fill your kid's mind with truth and you're not going to go wrong. Here's a quote from Apostate. Nathaniel Hawthorne was the 19th century American literary giant who did more to shift American culture away from its national Christian heritage than anyone else. Think about that. Ernest Hemingway grew up in a Christian home, but turned against Christianity. His life was filled with fornication, adultery, and divorce. This is not something I want my kids reading about. His mother wrote to him saying, Unless you, my son Ernest, come to yourself, cease from your lazy loafing and pleasure-seeking, borrowing with no thought of returning, stop trading your handsome face to fool little gullible girls, and neglecting your duties to God and our Savior Jesus Christ, Unless, in other words, you come into your manhood, there is nothing before you but bankruptcy. You have overdrawn. That's a quote from his own mom. She referred to his writings as filth, and he ended up ending his life by suicide. 
So you might not have thought about this. You know, when I read it, I thought, whoa, you know, there was just something in my spirit that reacted to his writings. And wow, John Steinbeck felt it was his task to lead the culture to accept adultery, divorce, and abortion. It's kind of like what we see Disney doing now, you know, trying to get the culture to accept gay rights and all that. He was trying to get the culture to accept adultery, divorce, and abortion. Edgar Allan Poe, who wrote The Telltale Heart, he would get drunk before he felt inspired to write. And so much of his stuff is just plain morbid. Ugh. You know, these are not men that I want influencing my kids and their world view. And you have got to protect your kids' worldview. You have got to put time and effort in, to intentionally teach your kids a biblical worldview. And these authors will not help you. Um, Apostate by Kevin Swanson. When I read it, I said, Amen. This is a quote from Kevin. There appears to be a reticence among Christians to do battle in the liberal arts classrooms because of the assumption that all great literature has to be good literature. The time is giving, the time for giving up ground is over. Now we must fight. We must engage the biblical worldview vigorously in the world of great literature. The greatest wars ever fought in the history of the world are not those fought by sword or artillery. The greatest battles are engaged in the realm of ideas. The day has arrived for Christians to engage in battle or there will be no more Christians left. That's from page 191 in his book. I remember talking to a lady at a convention and I told her about my hesitations with some of the classical books and and she just said, but it's a classic. And that's, you know, that's the mindset we grew up in. It's a classic. How can you dare say it might not be good? But you know, also like the Greeks and mythology, the Greeks worshiped the mind. We're not supposed to build well-rounded kids, but spiritually prepared servants of God. The Hebrew model was discipleship, to be with your kids. So you, you also, you don't want to teach a bunch of facts that they won't need for years. Focus on teaching them God's word. God's word never returns void. Pilgrim's Progress, Ben-Hur, there's some wonderful literature. And I think somewhere on Kevin's website or something, he has a list of good literature. So that might help you to discern what's good and what's bad. But find things that are consistent with truth. Fill your kids' heads with, with truth. Don't teach them the way of the heathen. Jeremiah 10, 2, you know, learn not the way of the heathen. Proverbs 13, 20 says, the companion of fools will suffer harm. We do not want our kids to spend time with fools that they read about in literature. I talked to a Christian school teacher, and she was saying so much of what the kids have to read, have to read, is existentialist, despairing, hopelessness. We don't want that for our kids. You, as the homeschooling parent, can control what your kids read. Look for the good stuff. There's plenty of it out there. There's a website called abebooks.com, and I know I've told you about this before, but you can find all kinds of old books, things written in the 1800s on that website. You just kind of search, and they get new stuff all the time. It changes. People list things that they're trying to sell from their attic or whatever. So whatever they have changes all the time. But we have found so many great books there. Um, the majority of the books that Uncle Rick reads, my husband, Uncle Rick, for the, the audio book club, is 
books that we got from that website. So just take a look to spend a little time finding good literature for your kids. You know, who determined what the classics would be? That's a good question. People that were trying to influence our society. If you determine that you just have to have your kids read some of this stuff, then have them read it discerning where it departs from a biblical worldview. When we would go to the library, there's no way I could read every book before my kids did. So we did kind of like a treasure hunt. And I would tell my kids, if you find something in this book that departs from what the Bible says is truth, bring it to me and we'll discuss it. And you can do that with your kids. So if you just feel like you have to have your kids read some of this literature, or they're in a co-op and the co-op demands it or whatever, have them read it from a discerning point of view. We need to teach our kids to be discerning readers, not just absorb and believe whatever you read, but run it through the grid of the Bible. Where does it depart from the Bible? You know, where was John Steinbeck getting things in there to lead the culture to, uh, to accept adultery, divorce, and abortion? Look for those things if you feel like you need your kids to read that. Okay, second thing to beware of, that you can't do it without co-ops. Um, there were no such thing as co-ops when I was homeschooling my kids. So I'm here to tell you, you can give your kids a good education without co-ops. Now, don't misunderstand me. I am not saying co-ops are bad. One of my granddaughters was in co-ops for a lot of her homeschooling experience. But I think that you need to evaluate, is this the best thing for my family this year? You know, it might change from year to year. One of the benefits of homeschooling that I treasured was being able to control what my kids learned. And beware of turning your homeschooling job over to others too much. Now, sometimes you need to. You need somebody to step in there and teach your kids algebra or whatever. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that at all. But I'm saying just evaluate how much you want to turn what your kids learn over to others and how much you want to control it. Remember that verse, Proverbs 13, 20. He walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. First, on deciding whether to do co-op or not, count the cost. Number one, it breaks up the flow of your day. It's hard to get back into the swing of things. Okay, it breaks up the flow of your day. It's so hard to get back into it if you've been gone. Number two, you lose control over a portion of what your kids learn. To me, that's a huge thing. And it might be exactly what you need. It might be a subject that you just can't teach. So fine, you know, evaluate. If I need my kids to go to co-op to take chemistry, wonderful. Then go to co-op and take chemistry. But think, evaluate, you know, is this what my kids need this year? And I'll talk in a few minutes about individualizing your curriculum. It's hard to do if you're in a co-op unless you maybe just pick one class. And often, learning information that you can't use right away is counterproductive. You forget it by the time you need it. Um, useless information builds an information bank. Instead, or instead, consider building a scripture bank. It pays eternal dividends. It never returns void. 
We found when we filled our kids' minds and hearts with scripture, academics came more easily when the time came. And better yet, the truth that they were learning created a biblical frame of reference for viewing life. So, like, I'm not saying that there's never a place for it at all. I am not saying that. As I say, one of my granddaughters did it for a large portion of her homeschooling experience. But consider the cost. And I'm telling you, it is very possible to homeschool without co-ops. They're kind of new on the horizon in the whole scheme of things. I guess those of us who had to fight the legal battle are slow to give up control over what our kids are taught. Um, and maybe that's a bad thing. I don't know. But um, we had to fight to gain the freedom to homeschool our kids. And but as I say, I'll talk about individualizing your curriculum. I would have found that harder to do if I had been in a co-op. But if it meets your needs, if it's what you need, go for it. Do it. I'm just trying to get you to think outside the box. And I think sometimes, you know, all our friends are doing this and we think, oh, my kids are missing out if I don't do that. But especially if you've got a large family, it is so hard to juggle things like that. So just evaluate. Is this what we need? Is it what we need for this year? Might not be what we need next year. Just think. Think outside the box. Third one, kids need lots of time with other kids their own age. What your kids really need is to interact with all ages. It's the kids who are in school who are at a great disadvantage, not the homeschooled kids. Homeschooled kids, as a general rule, tend to get along well with all ages of people. Kids who are schooled tend to shun their younger siblings and minimize the importance of wisdom from older folks. Learning to serve older folks has been a crucial part of our homeschooling experience. And there's other podcasts I do to, to teach you about that if you need more information. But I highly recommend that you take your kids by the hand and you look for people that you can serve and invest in. Introduce your kids to older people. You know, if you just see an older person in church, kids think, oh, that's old Mr. Jones. He's always been old. They don't realize that Mr. Jones was young once too and Mr. Jones has valuable insight that they can share with them. So take your kids to Mr. Jones's house and bring him a meal and talk with him and ask him questions about what he did when he was young and how he ministered to others. We've got some tremendous senior saints in our church that I have exposed my kids to for years. You can learn so much from elderly. And then also take your kids to serve single moms who are, who are raising young families. You know, give yourselves to serving a single mom. Help go over and take care of their kids or take their kids out for a special field trip or bring them out for ice cream or something. Just find ways that you can invest in other kids. You might have a young daughter who loves doing crafts with younger kids. Let her be a blessing to a single mom and bring some crafts over and do crafts with her kids one day. There's, there's so many things. I mean, I could go on for an hour telling ideas of involving your kids with others. But what you want to do is involve them with all ages, not just stick to their own age group. Not that you can never do an activity and invite kids that are about your own kid's age over to do something. You know, we would do that. We would let our kids plan a tea party or you know, whatever, um, a basketball outing, um, basketball game. 
plan some activities, let your kids be in charge and invite kids to do things like that. But don't stick only with kids their own age or you're limiting your kids tremendously. Number four, teaching high school is difficult. I can't do it. I'll have to put my kids back in school when they reach high school. And let me just tell you, it is more difficult to teach your kids to read, to teach them phonics, and to work with those preschoolers while you're working with the older ones. Once your kids get high school age, you need to teach them to be self-directed learners. Get materials, help them if they get stuck, point them in the right direction, motivate them, but let them fly like God created them to fly. Attain help when you need it. I tell the example of when my son was learning to invert when you're dividing fractions, you invert and multiply. And he wanted to know why. And I never learned why. I didn't know why. So I called upon someone who was very skilled in math, and he explained it to him. He wrote a page and a half of why you invert and multiply. And my son said, oh, that makes sense, and he could do it then. So if you get stumped, if you get something you just don't know how to teach, ask somebody else. You know, draw from someone else's brains. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, Kids can take college courses when they're in high school. There's a lot of dual enrollment opportunities now that there weren't when my kids were growing up. Take advantage of that. It's great. My kids did clepping. Like uh, my son, who is a lawyer, he clepped out of a lot of college classes. Or he challenged it. He iced the course. If you pass the exam, you can pass the course. He did a lot of that too. So he ended up getting, I think it was a whole year's worth of college credit just by clepping and icing courses. But evaluate too if your child really needs this course. Don't just go with what the government schools say every kid needs. Evaluate. Does your child really need calculus? Do they really need physics? I had one daughter that was intensely interested in the human body and in first aid and so for her she did first aid she did biology she did advanced biology we didn't do physics with her we didn't do chemistry with her she didn't need it um, you know if you know your child wants to be a nurse or something give them the subjects that they will need to be a nurse instead of what they would need to be a mechanic you know just Gear it toward them. If you've got a, a boy who wants to be a car mechanic, let him take a course in mechanics instead of a course in whatever, zoology or whatever. Let them prepare for their life work when they're in high school and they get a head start. If they want to start a business when they're in high school, let them do that. You've just got so many opportunities that other people don't have. The fifth one, fifth reason, schools, I figured schools had figured out the perfect course of study that everyone needs to know to prepare your kids to be successful adults. That there's this store of information, an information bank that every child needs to know. Instead, as time went on, I learned to individualize my curriculum. Study your kids. See what their passions are. See how God has created them in a unique way and cooperate with God to individualize their learning plan. I had one son that was vastly interested in so many things, and he would explore it with a passion for a while, and then it's like his curiosity was satisfied. He'd go on to explore something else passionately. 
it's okay for your kids to do that. It's okay if they don't follow the government plan, what the government says they need to do. Provide plenty of time for them to explore their own interests. Um, ask your kids, you know, ex ex expose them to things they are not exposed to, and you may find that they've got interests they didn't even know they had. So expose them to lots of things, but let them experiment. We had one son that experimented with genetics, with guppies, and he actually sold the guppies to the pet store. Another raised chickens and ducks. Another was into tree identification. Um, my youngest daughter was intensely interested in flight and aviation, and she got her private pilot's license the day she graduated from high school. So just let them fly. You know, let them use those God-given interests and explore it. And even if they decide they're not interested, you know, if they think, oh, I want to be a photographer when I grow up, and you give them photography courses, and then they say, oh, you know, that's kind of boring. I don't want to do that after all. That's great. You know, they've learned that skill. Let them explore different things until they stumble upon what they were created to do, what, what the passions that God has given them. We finished school by noon, and the afternoon was free for our kids to start a business, explore their own interests, do cake decorating, uh, buy, make bread and sell it. For my girls, they would help young moms with their families. Um, we knew this one young mom who had a Down syndrome. She had twins. One was Downs, the other wasn't. But she also had three other kids. And my daughter in the afternoons would go over and help her because she was really overwhelmed when she came home with these newborns. Um, or time to go shopping with you or to explore photography or writing. Let them write a book if that's what they're interested in. You seek God and you determine what each individual child needs and let them get credits for high school doing what interests them. When your kids do research papers, let them choose the topic. I had one that wrote on hunting white-tailed deer. I had another that wrote on the Nisai soldiers in World War II. Whatever their passion is, let them explore that and research that. Don't hand them a topic that's totally boring to them and make them do that. Okay, I think we're going to stop here and we will continue this next week. I hope that you have found this helpful. And next week, come back and we will discuss some other misconceptions to hopefully give you some freedom in your homeschooling journey. See you next week.